When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching or listening live or archived, we are so glad you could join us today as we record on Wednesday, October 16th, and preview a crucial ACC Coastal matchup this weekend as Virginia Tech plays host to North Carolina. Our crew today, we've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman. Chris, great to be with you as always, and our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. Will, great to be back with you. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks to everybody for being with us. A reminder that this week and every week, the TSL podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Uh, guys, good morning to you as we record on this Wednesday morning. Uh, the weather update for those not in Blacksburg, it is cold, it is rainy, and it is just kind of a yucky morning outside in Blacksburg today. Yeah, we need the rain. I was talking to my wife this morning, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what everybody's lawns are going to look like next spring. Um, if you don't live around here, it hasn't rained here this summer, and we've talked about this on the podcast. People around here literally haven't mowed their lawns since late July. I know I haven't mowed mine since since late July, and I've talked to people, same deal. So I don't know what it's going to look like next spring when it starts raining. So a word about the podcast today, we're flying without a net. We do not have a producer today. I think we got everything working as far as I know. So so you're only going to get the one camera view on the, if you're watching on video, you're going to get uh, that view. No, uh, no cuts back and forth, and uh, I guess we, we we can try to take questions from Facebook. I've got my phone. I'll yeah. try and get to questions at the yeah. end of the podcast. Right. So, so, Chris, how are you doing today? What's going on? I'm well. How are you? Good. Good. Great not to be not much you. going on, man. Typical week. A lot of a lot of content. A lot of radio interviews. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's jump right into it. Let's. It, uh, it, let's is, it is a huge game coming up virginia tech one. north carolina acc coastal implications on the line uh, another home game and lane uh, a lot to get to today on the podcast again, which is presented each and every week by uh, the fisher law firm you know we we recap tech's win against rhode island on monday and so i want to spend a good amount of the podcast today really previewing north carolina yep. and understanding what is on the line for virginia tech so let's dive right into it Hokies are hosting three and three north carolina on saturday at 3 30. uh the tar heels have wins against south carolina who just went into athens and beat georgia this weekend uh, miami and nearly knocked off clemson uh with a two-point conversion try that would have given them the win they went with an option play that did not work on the two-point conversion so will i'll, I'll start with you on this how important of a game on a scale one to ten is this for virginia tech this weekend uh i've been doing this many years and i'm not prone to hyperbole but this is 
in my opinion, the turning point of the season. Virginia Tech's one and two in the ACC. They lose this. They're one and three. With uh, they they're down on tiebreakers against Duke and UNC. If they lose this one, um, I just can't see Virginia Tech winning the Coastal if they lose this game Saturday. Carolina's two and one. They'll come out of it three and one if they win. So you're going to have to gain three games just on North Carolina if you lose on Saturday. And that's not even talking about Virginia and Duke and everybody else. So, again, not prone to hyperbole, but, uh, you know, you're, you're, if you're Virginia Tech, this is, this is a turning point. I, I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, that's an accurate statement. Uh, you know, if your goal is to, is to win the Coastal Division, then if Virginia Tech loses a Saturday, they probably can't win it. Yeah, they would pretty much have to win out the rest of their ACC games. Well, not to, to mention have a chance. Not to mention what it does to your chances to make a bowl. Um, right. You know, Virginia Tech under under ordinary rules, they they have to win seven games this year. They have to go seven and five because they're playing two FCS teams. It's uh, there are certain there are so many bowl games, and there are certain provisions under which teams that are five and seven and Virginia Tech's equivalent of that would be six and six. There are certain provisions under which you can go to a bowl because they're what are there 41 bowl games or something like that so i think what they do is they look at uh apr for the football program and you know i I have i'm not up to date on tech's apr figures academic progress rate but i'm sure they're they're pretty solid so um you know the Hokies can go six and six and maybe go to a bowl um but you know chris that kind of segues not take that that segues into all that talk about the pressure to beat uva the pressure to go to a bowl you know instead of just being able to to coach the program not just for this year but ensuing years and you know we've had those discussions before yeah like don't burn Todd gary's red shirt right but, you know uh, we'll see but, but it sounds like they're going to get jalen holston back this year uh if you read the tech talk live notes fuente mentioned on monday night that holston should be cleared pretty soon not cleared to play but uh to resume clear. activities or whatever right and uh fuente talks like they're going to get him back before the season is over hmm. so if that's the case, then maybe you could play Todd Gary if you want a bigger back. Maybe you could continue to play Todd Gary for the next three games. Then you, you get Holston back, and you put him in there as your bigger back, and you can still preserve Gary's redshirt. And it's funny because Gary's what five nine, thereabouts. Yeah, but he's like two twenty. Yeah, you know, so he's Stephen Peoples. Yeah, from a build standpoint. Yep. Yeah, his film, high school film, really reminded me of Stephen Peoples. You know, quick tangent. You, Tech Talk Live, you know, we didn't really know the status of Jalen Holston besides he was going to be out for a while was what I think the exact quote was from Coach Fuente after week one. With a lower extremity injury. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he, he is a guy that if we want to talk quickly about the running game, if we if Tech were to get Jalen Holston back, he's a bigger back, he's different from McLeese as well as King, and they were really high on him in the offseason, correct, Chris? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think they liked the progress that he made. They, they were high on him coming out of high school, but then he broke his leg in the playoffs, broke his femur, uh, major surgery. So he was not in great shape, obviously, when he enrolled because – So we're talking about Gary, right? Talking about Gary, right. Oh, we, no, I was going to talk about Holston. Sorry. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We were no, talking about Holston. But both, I mean – I apologize. It's uh, good there's three of us. Yeah, that's good. we can talk about both, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Holston, by some services, was a four-star recruit. And he had a bunch of offers from all the major programs – up and down the East Coast, SEC programs, ACC programs. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people high on Jalen Holston coming out of high school. And a reminder, in high school, he ran one of those wing T offenses, right? He was. He ran the. It was like Darren Evans, like uh, 
Derek, except he didn't redshirt, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, he was the fullback in basically a, a single wing type style offense, and he basically had his hand in the dirt. So you're you have to learn. It's running out of the shotgun and running out of the wing tee, single wing, whatever you want to call it, is so different. Your your depth in the backfield is different. How you're aligned is different. Um, your hands not on the ground when you're in Be, shotgun being formation. able to read the defense pre snap. You've now run mostly zone blocking as opposed to a whole lot of man blocking. Um, I know when I when we ran the wing tee in, in high school, it was all man blocking. Hmm. Uh, so it's just completely different. Um, that's why he needed a red shirt two years ago. He should be a red shirt sophomore right now. But you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> ABR. Anyways, that was some good news from Coach Fuente on Monday about uh, about Jalen Holston potentially getting back sooner rather than later for Virginia Tech. I want to go back to talking about North Carolina and kind of just big picture. I want to go back to talking about the ACC Coastal because two weeks ago we were discussing Virginia Tech losing 45-10 to Duke at home. And I think the last thing we would have been talking about on this podcast was Virginia Tech in contention for an ACC Coastal championship. Yeah, and I think at that time UVA was 2-0. and in, Correct, in, and the in, loss in, to Miami kind of really opened things right. up in the Coastal. So, Will, if Virginia Tech would – beat North Carolina this weekend. Do you see a path where the Hokies could win the Coastal? Sure, uh, just because things vary so widely, you know. You, I would. I don't think anybody two weeks ago would have, well, I, I don't want to overstate it, but two weeks ago it was hard to imagine Virginia Tech beating Miami in Miami and UVA losing to Miami. Both of those things happened, so that kind of that brings everybody in, in the pack kind of close together, with the exception of Georgia Tech, who it's generally assumed is not going to be a contender. The other six teams are still in it. You can see a path. Um, you know, Virginia Tech still has to play Georgia Tech. You'd like to win that one. That would get them to three and two. And then you've got uh, Pitt, UVA. You know, you've got a chance to, to knock those teams off and, and get the tiebreakers on them and – and make your way to the, to the division title, and it's happened before. You know, they went five and three in two thousand eight, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was when the ACC was just so down, it was so rough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but because BC won it on the other side that year, and they didn't even have Matt Ryan anymore. Remember yeah, that? that's right. Yeah, they, yep, yep. So, yeah, I can see it, but let's take it week by week. <laughs> Let me let me ask you this: If Virginia Tech were to beat North Carolina, would you say that Virginia Tech is one of the favorites to win the Coastal? That would mean that Virginia Tech would be three and zero with Hendon Hooker as a starting quarterback. Yeah. Wins at Miami, win at home against North Carolina. Is it fair to say if they win this game that you can almost look at Virginia Tech as a two point zero team with Hendon Hooker as the guy compared to Ryan Willis? You, you could make that argument, but the topsy turviness of the ACC this year so far. I think it's impossible. I mean, if you if you run one of those sites or you have a TV show, a radio show, where you're required to make a prediction, I guess you have to do it. But there's there's no way you can actually do it. I mean, I mean, so many things have happened. I mean, Virginia Tech gets smashed at home by Duke and then beats Miami on the road, who in turn beats UVA. You know, Pitt handles Tech on the road. Excuse me, Duke handles Tech on the road, then go back home and lose to Pitt. At one point, they were down three touchdowns in that game. Yeah, it was 26-3 uh, to three at one point. Yeah, uh, Pitt beats UCF, ends their winning streak over mm -hmm. 20 games or whatever. And uh, then they turn around and get taken to overtime by Delaware. I mean, um, the, No, 17-14. Yeah. Okay, almost yeah. overtime. But at any rate, 
the topsy-turviness of this league, of the this Coastal Division in particular. You know, the Coastal Division is clearly not the best, you know, <laughs> division in, uh, in college football. But if you like – if you don't like parity, I guess you don't like the, the Coastal Division. But if you like parity and you enjoy things being wide open – then it's a very entertaining division to follow. Yeah, it really is. You know, so to, to answer your question, if, if at that point in time, you know, put yourself in the position of an opposing fan and you start looking at schedules. At that time, Virginia Tech uh, um, would be two and two. You start breaking down schedules. Pitt has to come here. Uh, probably Virginia Tech's easiest game would be Georgia Tech. That's on the road. That's fine because Georgia Tech's busy trying to come back from the Paul Johnson era. Um you, you would have to look at it and think. Just in looking at records and looking at schedules, you'd have to think, yeah, Virginia Tech's got a pretty good shot at this. Yeah, one ACC game still left, though. I think people, you look at a schedule maybe before the season and you don't really think a ton of. Wake Forest comes to Blacksburg, and that might be one of the more difficult home games left on the schedule. So, so, I guess. Then they go out. I thought they were a really well, good, disciplined team, and then I watch them Saturday night give up 60-some points to Louisville. 61-58 I mean, their score. defense, it was just atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, Unbelievably I, bad. I, I wasn't exactly watching that, but I had it on and was kind of doing this while I was doing some other work. Uh, I think – I was about to say I think that how Virginia Tech's defense does against UNC this week will tell us a lot about what we can expect against Wake. I'm not sure about that. Wake runs a – I mean, they run a different style of offense. They, I, I think, and maybe you guys have looked at it more than I have, I think Wake runs – they run one of the fastest offenses in the country. I think Syracuse was held up as the standard of offense last year, year before, whatever. I don't think it's in the ACC. I don't think it's Syracuse anymore. I think it's Wake. Somebody told me that uh, North Carolina and Wake's schemes are very similar. Okay. Um, Wake runs it a little faster. Um, different style of play calling because the quarterbacks are so different. Right. But the scheme itself and the principles and everything are pretty similar. But that said, you're right because Sam Howell, you know, is, is – pretty elite when it comes to passing the football even though he's only 18 years old or whatever um and wake forest just doesn't quite i don't think they're quite as good throwing the football um it's it's interesting you know i watched them play against north carolina earlier this year and they were really good in the first half remember they were up 21 yeah they were, they were running uh, running like unc off the field. yeah and then north carolina came back and made it close in the second half but you didn't get a sense watching that game that wake forest would ever be involved in a in a 50, what, 62? 61-58. 61-58 football game. Yeah. I guess Louisville. Uh, their, their offense didn't look all that explosive, and their defense looked sound. I mean, they shut UNC out for a half. So, very, very strange stuff in the ACC this year. Yep. Well, let's go ahead and, and, and dive in a little bit more about UNC. You bring up Sam Howell. Again, this Tar Heel team, 3-3 three and three on the season. Some big wins. Also lost to App State. Also lost to Wake Forest. Um Sam Howell is the story, though, the freshman quarterback who's 18 years of age. Here's his numbers coming in to Blacksburg this weekend. He's completing 63% of his passes, 15 touchdowns to just three interceptions, a guy who does not turn the football over much. Chris, how legit of a quarterback is he compared to the ones that Virginia Tech will face this year? Where does he rank? Well, he's certainly, in my opinion, the best one they they will face so far. Um more physically gifted than Ian Book at Notre Dame, although Book is, you know, is an experienced. I think Book's a senior. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a much better passer than Bryce Perkins at UVA. Um, oh gosh, 
trying to. Uh, he's better than Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is much improved at Pitt, right? Uh, but but he's he has he's better than Pickett. Um, so yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this is the best quarterback Tech will face this year for sure. Um, you know, his advanced metrics this year are better than Trevor Lawrence's. Lawrence has had some turnover problems. Um, the only game where Howell has had turnover issues was against Appalachian State, a game they lost. He had two interceptions that game, and they lost. And, and oh, by the way, game. let's jump in here in case you don't pay attention. Appalachian State's undefeated. I believe they're ranked this 24th. week. 24th. You know, they're, they're not, everybody's like, oh, well, yeah, they beat Michigan 10 years ago. No, this is a different program. Well, they've, 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 they're a really good program. Yeah. Uh, their coaching staff who built their current team is now at Louisville. Right. Scott Satterfield. That's a really good staff, apparently. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who their head coach is now, but whoever he is. Uh, He's you know, winning he with Satterfield's he, players. He inherited a good program, <laughs> yeah, strong program. So, uh, uh, Chris is, I just read Chris's preview this morning before we started doing the podcast, and and he, he might remember the numbers more exactly than I, but if you look at Sam Howell's uh, performance against the three best pass defenses they've faced, I don't know his completion percentage or his yardage, but he's got six touchdowns and no interceptions. And he has been – remember, he's played – who are those defenses? South Carolina, Clemson? South Carolina, Miami, and Clemson. Yeah, so those are three good defenses, and he's not turning it over. And from what I understand, this, one of his advanced metrics is he excels when you blitz him. He's not your typical freshman who gets rattled when you go after him. Um, this, this is a tall order. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. After their first three games, I think they started off 2-0, and and then they lost a wake. I think it was that order. So I watched that Wake game. I didn't see their first two games. And then I watched him, and he struggled against Wake. At least he did in the first half. And I'm like, well, you know, the film's out on him now. It's going to be a struggle for him the rest of the way. But then he came back the next week, threw for a lot of yards against uh, App State, threw two picks, but looked good. And then looked decent against Clemson, only threw for 144 yards, but didn't turn it over. And then had a big game against Georgia Tech, so – you know, maybe maybe he's that rare freshman who, even when the film gets out on him, you know, he just keeps moving forward no matter what. Yep. So if if he does well against the blitz, and we're talking about him as a as a passer and a freshman, what challenges does he present off the top of your head to this Virginia Tech defense? Oh man, he can throw it to any level of the field. He he he's good at throwing the ball downfield. Fuente, he says, or excuse me, Fuente says he runs just enough to where you have to worry about it. Yeah, that's my next question. But, if you but, but the stats don't indicate that. Um, but, but again, I haven't been able to watch enough UNC football this year to, to know really know for sure. Um, I would still expect Tech to come out with a variety of different stuff. Tech is really struggling in their zone coverages as far as uh, – You're talking about when they rush three and drop back eight? and or Any type of zone. Yeah. But, but yes, uh, they've got – zone is hard – Harder than man coverage in theory, or at least certainly harder to pick up mentally um, because you have to pass guys off. As one receiver's, say a receiver's running a crossing pattern, and you know he's behind you, or let's say he's even in front of you. But there's also a running back over here coming out of the flats. When do you pass off that wide receiver to the guy in the zone next to you to take care of the running back over here? And it's that timing issue that, that Tech has not been good at this year and they were not good at last year. They're, they're better at it this year, but they're still not good at it. Um, and Howell just strikes me as the type of quarterback that can pick something like that apart. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, like, Bud has six games of film to study now. Too, yeah. So. 
you know, and you look at this offense, uh, statistically speaking, I know if you watch a little bit more film, but it doesn't seem like North Carolina is a run-first type team. Uh, they're, they're running back Javante Williams is 492 yards on the ground uh, with three touchdowns. Is this a team that if – it, when Virginia Tech plays, they're, they're going to try and beat you through the air, so to speak? Uh, they need to do both. They're, no, their offensive line is, is a bad run-blocking offensive line so far. But their running backs are really good, especially uh, – what was his name? Javante Williams. 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 Williams is really good. His his tackle-breaking percentages and things like that, I'll put it in the game preview later today. I forget the exact numbers, but it was like double the ACC average or something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. he's a really good player. And, so, and Michael Carter is no slouch either. And, and they could both catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, it's two really good running backs on that team. You know, I would say the strength of UNC's offense are Howell and their running backs. Because um, they will get – I think both those backs have 82 or 83 carries. Both have 10 to 13 catches. So they're used about the same amount. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, they're, I think their running game is extremely important to what they do. Their, their receivers are a little unreliable. Their receivers as a group have an extremely high drop rate, much higher than the ACC average. Yeah, the ACC so, average I think is 8%, and their top four receivers all have drop rates 10, 11, 15, Even over 20%. 20 yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so they drop it a lot. They drop it a lot. So Howell's number would be even better right. if he had receivers who could hold on to the football. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to me, they're, besides Howell, their running backs are the most important part of their offense. I think their running backs make their offensive line look better than they actually are. Yeah, and to that point, uh, and again, I just read the game preview this morning, Williams, if I remember the numbers correctly, and this illustrates a bad run-blocking line and a running back who can break tackles, he averages something like 5.9 yards a carry. Um, If I read the game preview correctly, and I've read this line twice because it didn't sound right, Apparently, he averages 4.4 yards after contact uh, per carry, which tells you he's getting hit one and a half yeah. yards into the carry, yeah. and he's picking up 5.9 yards a carry. Something like that. Yeah, and, and, to, and to me, I remember reading that and thinking, okay, that tells you they're not doing a very good job blocking, but that kid's still picking up yards anyway. Yeah. So uh, um, if, if they get rolling, it could be a really frustrating day. Yeah, you got to gang tackle him. Yeah, so you've got to swarm to the ball carrier. And everybody likes to rag on Virginia Tech's defense and say how horrible they are at tackling. We were looking at the numbers yesterday. What are they like fourth or fifth in the ACC in terms of missed tackles? They're not. They're not horrible. They're not as horrible as folks think. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if they have trouble tackling these running backs for UNC, that's normal. It's those running backs that are really good at breaking tackles. And. You know, you look at the receiving core. You talked about guys like uh, Daz Newsome, Diami Brown. Uh, and going back to the passing game real quick, I want to get your thoughts on if this will impact North Carolina the first half, the first quarter. Looks like Devon Hunter is going to get the start in the secondary for Virginia Tech. No Reggie Floyd in the first half. Is that something you think North Carolina might come right out Wolf. and try and yeah, try I mean, attack? Honestly, North Carolina was going to come right out and attack at that spot no matter who's yeah, playing. That's true. In my that's opinion. very true. I don't think it changes their game plan any. Uh, I personally don't think so. But, yes, it's certainly when, – when you have someone struggling like Reggie Floyd has been struggling, you have to assume the backup is even worse. Otherwise, they'd be starting, right? So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure North Carolina is going to go right after that spot. Um, I'd be shocked if they didn't. So, Devin Hunter is going to have to – and not speaking about Devin Hunter, obviously a talent. Just saying, as a first time getting a start, you think they might second try and, career start. 
starter. First career yeah. starter rover. He started at Whip last year Old against, Dominion, against right? ODU. Yeah, and that, that didn't that go well. That went well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, let, let's do this too. So we just talked about kind of the offense for North Carolina. Quickly want to touch on their defense because there's an interesting note about this and something that you really don't find often with uh, with okay. football teams. I don't. So North Carolina's leading tackler mm-hmm. is Chaz Surratt, who is a quarterback turned to defense, and Former he has been exceptional. Yeah, he's got this all, year. He's I mean, got have all, you ever heard of that? He's before? got almost as many tackles as he did interceptions. He was a really bad quarterback. That was a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, sorry, I was distracted. I was I was thinking of former wide receiver Brendan Hill winding up at whip linebacker. Mm. You know, yeah, now now Hill, but Hill out. didn't play a lot at wide receiver. Yeah, no, he didn't play at all. Surratt was a starting quarterback starting there quarterback. for a while. And and he yeah, wasn't very good yeah, well, he was <laughs> at that. He's good uh, yeah, at defense. Uh, so. Yeah, well, he's solid. Um, he's not great yet, but he's physical and everything like that. It does lead them in tackles. Uh, I'd say he's their second or third best linebacker. Uh, well, the, the, technically they play four linebackers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's done a good job for someone who just changed positions in the offseason. It's pretty impressive that he's been able to make that move so quickly. Yeah. Uh, in, lastly, before we kind of wrap up with, with North Carolina position by position, defensively as a whole, I mean, this is a team that – kept Clemson kind of under wraps in a very close game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you see this defense, is it more likely that we could see the, the defense against Clemson, the defense against Wake Forest and App State where they yeah. struggled? I mean, what do you think we get out of Tar Heels defense? Well, they're a young team, so you never really know. Um, and they're a coastal team, so you never so really know. So you never really know. So mm-hmm. double down on them, you never really know. We, so. we need a wheel of destiny yeah, here. Yeah, we really do. We, we really need to start right picking games by spinning a wheel. Spinning a wheel, we need to put it right, right here. We can yeah, get, we uh, get, we get to spin it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, at the very least, we can have a magic eight ball or something. I right. don't, I don't right, know. Right, right. Yeah, I like uh, it. I like it. Uh, but. People get so mad at us about our game predictions. Come on, I don't know. We're going to make predictions here at the end of the you, podcast. You, people got mad at me for picking Duke to beat Tech. Yeah. Sorry. And look how that what, went. I mean, right, what am I supposed to do, pick Tech to win every And I remember game? I said, I just can't pick Duke to beat Virginia Tech on a Friday night. <laughs> what did that sound? That didn't age well. <laughs> Well, if we you know we transitioned to Virginia Tech, you know I thought we did a great job of kind of breaking down the game against Rhode Island and position groups. But let's go back to the quarterback. Now it's an ACC game. It's North Carolina. It's another uh, coastal start for Hen and Hooker. I'll ask you a, a fill in the blank question for both of you. I'll start with you, Will. For Hendon Hooker to have success, Virginia Tech needs to do blank against North Carolina. Hmm. Wow. Uh, <laughs> my brain wants to say run the football well, but come on. He, he's such uh, a big part of that, though. Yes. So. Uh, I, I, would, uh, I would say they need to build upon what they've done with him so far. You know, we, we've shown the tight end stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not a savvy enough analyst to, to break down exactly how much they've given him to do in his two starts, but – they need to build on that. They they need to show something that's not on film. Um, what that is, I don't know. You know, so uh, I would I would kind of give it a generic, not specific answer. Uh, throw some things at him with Hendon Hooker that they haven't seen on film. Uh, if that means him running the football more, uh, I'd like to see the uh, somebody on the message boards was talking about that pop pass that they used to do with uh, Gerard Evans and. and 
Sam, oh, I'm sure that's Sam in Rogers. there. Uh, um, I'm sure they've practiced it. Now, whether they run it or not depends on how well There's a level executed. of trust. Yeah, they, right. they trusted Gerard Evans. Who, who knows if they trust? And who's going to come out of the backfield and catch that? You know, right. or is it going to be a tight end? Is that more of a Dalton Keene, James Mitchell? Like a Dalton Keene type thing. To yeah, me. we've we've seen some some misdirection. Throw it back to the tight end. We haven't seen that play maybe once this year, but we haven't really seen it. So I would look for those sort of things uh, to to go beyond what they've been doing with Hendon Hooker so far, and uh, because they did have him throw downfield some against Rhode Island, and he did a know? good job, of and it. he did well. So that's on film that that he can do that, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of tells you and see, yeah, we're capable of this. Right. We'll fill in the blank. Uh, you know, I agree with what Will said, and so to not copy his answer, I'll say healthy receivers playing effectively together for the first time this year. Damon Hazelton and Trey Turner, you know, we assume those guys were, were one and two coming into the season. They were going to catch a lot of passes. They haven't been healthy together yet. Um, Hazelton's just back for three games. Turner's missed the last two games with an injury, last two and a half games really. Are those guys going to be together on the field this weekend and are both going to be 100%? Because that both those guys on the field at the same time can make the Tech offense a lot different possibly. Uh, you don't necessarily get scared of just one guy on the outside, but when there's two of them, one on each side, that becomes a lot scarier. And also, Trey Turner's a versatile guy. You can play him in the slot. You can play him on the outside. Um so it'll be very, very nice to get him back for this game, and I expect – I'm certain he's going to play. I mean, he's, he's a North Carolina guy. He's going to want to play against North Carolina. And, you know, maybe we'll see uh, Grimsley more involved in the game plan. I'm not saying take Tavian Robinson out of the slot. If you go four wide, maybe you go with Robinson, Turner, Hazleton, and Grimsley. Um, now, one of the things we, – we, we got past the North Carolina defense, but one of the things we need to throw out there, and this is in Chris's preview as well – uh, North Carolina has a, uh, a defensive tackle, Aaron, Aaron Crawford. Crawford. And what's the deal with Crawford? He's one of the best run-stopping he's, tackles he's in the, the ACC. He's one, one, number one run-stopping rated player in the ACC. Overall or defensive tackles? Defensive tackle. Well, yeah. I, I didn't run the numbers for overall, but I, it's hard for me to imagine anybody being over a – 91 or whatever he's rated at there. Wow, so he's, he's a really good run stopper. And, all right, now, and, they and, he's run, a, and he's a senior. They run a 3-4, right? Now, these days there's so much gray, gray area between defenses, whether you count that walk-up outside linebacker as a defensive end or what. I mean, sometimes you can't tell the difference between a 3-4, a 4-3, a 4-2-5 or whatever. I mean, Tech stands a linebacker up a lot and drops him back into coverage. So at times it looks like Tech is running a 3-4. Right. It's just – so much gray area between defenses these days, but uh, they run a three, a three-four with three, technically three defensive linemen, and two of the three defensive linemen are defensive tackles. One of those is a nose guard, and that's Crawford. And probably eighty percent of the time, he lines up directly head to head, zero technique over the center. So it's redshirt senior, best run-stopping defensive uh, tackle in the ACC. Over Brian Hudson. Are you sure he redshirted? Because I thought he was just a true senior. doesn't matter. He's a senior. He, I looked in his bio. Okay. They do a horrible job on their depth chart. They, they only list red shirts if they're redshirt freshmen. If, if I, and I see that. I see a lot of depth charts that do that. The only red shirts they list are the redshirt freshmen, and everybody else is just sophomore, junior, senior, and you don't know if they've redshirted or not. So right. that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, I despise that. But. But, but he's lining up across a, from a true freshman center. And, yeah. And Brian Hudson's actually done a, a – 
I think he's done a pretty good job. He's done a credible job for a true freshman who's yeah. never played center before. I mean, <laughs> yeah. think about it. And um, he, did, he didn't start uh, showing evidence of bad snaps until the last game against Rhode Island yeah, for, for whatever reason. For whatever reason. reason. Hopefully he got it out of his system then. But it, but as far as run blocking goes, he's something like the third worst run blocking center in the ACC. Hey, for a true freshman who's never played the position to, to not be the worst is pretty good. Right. I mean, that's that's a, that's certainly correct. But that's, this is a tough matchup for he's him. Going, he's going up against um, a grown man. Yeah, so running right inside the A-gaps – you know, it's probably not in the cards for Virginia Tech this week. They're going to have to find other ways to have success in the run. You know, that said, I think they've been kind of bullheaded sometimes about running it up the middle. Well, they, they, they do they, they do certain things. I mean, Fuente said it. He, said, he made some kind of comment on Tech Talk Live about they do certain things even though they know it's not going to work gonna because work. they you will try to set things up for later, right? Oh, yeah, Tech has had success running on third and long this year, right? And he said – you know, it's not a situation where we want to run it on third and long, but every now and then we do it just to show that we will do it. So, so they have to honor that in the future. And as it turns out, the couple of times they've tried to do it this year, it's worked. And I think that's fair because I think we as observers and fans, we want every play to work. We're thinking about the next play. We're not thinking about the third quarter yeah. or two games later and, and things oh, like man. that. Oh, man, why'd yeah. you run it up the middle again on first down at second and nine but, again? Yeah, because you don't want the data analysts for the other team to get that and say, oh, look, Virginia Tech runs the ball 0% of the time on third and eight. Right. I guess we'll we'll literally drop all 11 guys back in coverage now. Yeah. You know? So that, that's a fair point. Good point. Last thing I do want to bring up, you guys were talking about before we touched on North Carolina defense, um, having Trey Turner and Damon Hazleton healthy together and just kind of how that can really help a young quarterback like Hennon Hooker and how – for the first time this season, when we think about it, Virginia Tech has not been at full strength in terms of their skill position mm-hmm. groups. I mean, how – so just the impact of having both of them healthy at the so, same time. So, Chris, let's talk about North Carolina's safety. Oh, well, it's uh, – Miles Dorn is the lowest-rated safety in the ACC. Yeah. He's really, really struggled uh, this year. Against the run and the pass? Uh, yeah, and mostly the pass, but both. Yeah. Um, Reggie Floyd's had a tough year, right? Well, Doran's grade is like 10 points lower than Floyd's. So he's had a really rough year. He is the weak link of the North Carolina defense. Uh, one of their stru- strengths on defense was Miles Wolf, a former Virginia Tech commit, and uh, decommitted in 2015 around the times when uh, you know the questions about Beamer's future were, were, were getting thrown out there. Yeah. Ended up at UNC. It's turned into a very good safety for him, but he only played in the first four games, uh, then got hurt. And to show you that Virginia Tech is not the only program that guards injury information, his injury is a uh, lower body injury. Right? <laughs> so so it could be anything from a broken pinky toe to a leg amputation. To a severed yeah, leg. I mean, who knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but so, anyway, uh, he's out. Um, Wolfhook is out. Wolfhook is out. Don't quite remember who his – who the starter is now, but doesn't seem to be as good as Wolfhook. So they could have a weakness, you know, over the over the middle on, on defense. So, you know, but if, if you study this matchup, you know, both teams have strengths, both teams have weaknesses, and uh, seems like a pretty even matchup. Uh, probably, I agree prob- with that. Probably will come down to turnovers. Yep, and and as we detailed, Hal has not turned it over against good defenses and Trey Turner. Excuse me, uh, 
Hendon Hooker, you know, I'm going for the alliteration TT and HH. Hendon Hendon Hooker hasn't turned it over at all. So we we could be sitting here next week talking about the team that lost as the one that turned it over. Even matched, as you guys just said, good quarterback play. I think it's about time for predictions. We're going to step aside for a timeout. When we come back, predictions between Virginia Tech and North Carolina. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, drop those questions in, and we'll get to them towards the end of the podcast. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. So glad everybody could join us today as we record on Wednesday morning, October 16th with Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. I'm Evan Hughes. We've been talking all morning about North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and, and now time to make some predictions. We've talked about the implications that this game will have on the ACC Coastal and how, as Will basically said, this is almost a must win for Virginia Tech to stay alive in the Coastal race. So, Will, I'll, I'll, I'll start it off with you. Uh, tell us your prediction, give us a score, and maybe give us a key for Virginia Tech. If they're going to win the game, they're going to have to do X. I think if they're going to win the game, they're going to have to force turnovers or, or get a special team's play. Um, you know, those things are often the differences in games. I, I think it's critical this weekend that uh, you've got to win the turnover battle. And, um, you know, ho- hopefully some sort of play will happen on special teams. I think that's what Virginia Tech has to do to win. Uh, I just I just do not like this matchup. Um, if you – I was looking at Virginia Tech scores this year. They've given up 38 points a game in ACC play. I'm not going to sit here and pick Virginia Tech to win 27 to 24. That's not going to happen. Uh, Now it's going to happen. History history tells us that's not going to happen. And I say this all the time. When when I make game predictions, I I make them based on the body of work so far and what is most likely to happen. So I think in my brain, I look at what teams have done, and I think if they played this game ten times, what would happen at least six or seven times? So that's, that's how I make game predictions. And then they go out there and, you know, who knows what happens. All the wheels come off. So uh, my thinking is that special teams and turnovers are very important in this game. Uh, if you look at Virginia Tech's body of work, they've coughed up almost 40 points a game so far in ACC play. There's nothing to tell me that's going to change. So I'm thinking UNC is going to score somewhere between 35 and 45 because that's what every other ACC team has done. So why wouldn't UNC do that? they got a really good quarterback and some really good players. So you start looking at Virginia Tech wondering, can they match that? And that's when I start thinking that, that the one or a plus one or a plus two in the turnover column will get you that extra score you need to win. It's what happened against Miami. They got a lot. They were a plus five in the column. But more importantly, what Virginia Tech did against Miami was every, every time Miami made that mistake, every time Virginia Tech went into the red zone, they didn't just score, they scored a touchdown. So it's going to take that sort of effort. And again, getting back to the Rhode Island game, Virginia Tech only had eight possessions. They scored on seven of them. 
you're gonna uh, not touchdowns, but you know they score. Right. They score. You got points. You're you're gonna need that kind of productivity from Virginia Tech's offense. And if if VT goes out there and loses a turnover battle by two, one or two turnovers, they're gonna lose a football game. So uh, I think you know, absent of all those tremendous game changing plays and things like that, this this thing's gonna be back and forth and down to the wire. Um, it's gonna be a 38-35. 42 38 so you think game. we're going to score above 30 you uh, let's, well you know they got 30. they got 42 against miami with the benefit of some short, benefit fields. Of short fields they got 34 against rhode island and as we talked about they would have had probably in the 50s yeah no doubt um you also can't do things like drop wide open touchdown passes we sit here and talk about turnovers and special teams that's if, Dam- if damon thing. hazelton's behind the defense it's just like a turnover if you if you drop that ball and you wind up punting mm-hmm. Um, so these are all things that have to happen. If you want me to make a prediction, nobody's going to like this. I do not like the way this shapes up, and I see uh, uh, North Carolina winning at something like 42-30. to 30. See, all of Carolina's games are mostly in the 20s. Like they only scored 18 against Wake, 21, or they scored 20 against Clemson, 24 against South Carolina, 28 against Miami. Uh, they scored over 30 against Appalachian State, but that's a Sun Belt team. Even then, it was just 31. And I forget what they scored against Georgia Tech, but that's Georgia Tech. So, oh, it was a big number, like 48 or something. It was 38. 38-22. Uh, so, they haven't hit 40 yet in a game. Uh, and they've only hit 30 twice. So, I actually think it is going to be in the 20s. Um, now, part of me, as a Virginia Tech fan, I have this horror image of, the, of North Carolina just – finding that rover spot and going after it over and over and over you know and, and breaking tackles in the run game correct very uh, frustrating you, you know like, like a boxer you know maybe he opens a cut right here on his opponent an opponent in the second round and he keeps going after that one spot the rest of the match until the ref finally stops the fight right that's how i see unc treating the rover position at tech this week on the other hand uh <laughs> you could see virginia tech doing the exact same thing to their free safety spot with the tight end. Right, sure. Maybe uh, we'll see the tight end down the middle instead of on the on the or, perimeter. Yeah, who knows. Um, I, I think it's a really tough game to call. I, I do think Carolina seems a little more complete, but there's more evidence of Carolina. There's six games of evidence of Carolina with their starting quarterback, so we have a better idea of who they are. We still don't have a great idea of who we are with Hendon Hooker. He played in one really strange game where there were five turnovers. Right. And then he played Rhode Island. So we don't know really who the real Hendon Hooker is. I haven't been impressed so far. But how's he going to look in a normal football game when there aren't five turnovers and when he's not playing Rhode Island and a team has two games of film to study? I don't, nobody knows the answer to that. Uh, I hope it's another five turnover game and we don't find out until Notre Dame, right? <laughs> but but uh, right. I, you can't make you can't predict turnovers because they seem so random on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Carolina seems slightly more complete. I've got a 27-24 Carolina. All right, there we go. So so on a personal note, for the, I'm not going to be here for this one, which I'm not real happy about. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. I have a, a niece that I, that I love dearly who's a South Carolina graduate, and she's getting married. Not only is it a Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech home football game, it's a, it's a South Carolina home football game against Florida. But that's the weekend she picked. Oh, so against Florida, I'm pretty sure Florida is coming to South Carolina this weekend. Oh, my God. Actually, that's correct. It's a noon kick, I believe. Is she marrying a South Carolina football fan? 
Uh, you know, I can't remember. Uh, Clearly not. Well, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It. Uh, mm. uh, uh, voice of experience here. I got. I got married in the fall. My my uh, uh, anniversary is actually this coming Saturday, the nineteenth. Oh. You know, and at the time, I it was nineteen ninety six, and and we fit it in on an open weekend, not thinking. Your anniversary is now going to be during football season for the for the rest of your life. Yeah, Bye weekends that. won't always go on. That do weekend. not do that. <laughs> you know. So anyway, uh, I'll be watching the game on television. I'll be driving back from Kiowa, Kiowa Island in South Carolina on Sunday. I'm not going to have a chance to watch the film. So we'll we'll see how next week goes. I didn't even do my Monday article this week because I just you know I I was also in South Carolina last weekend doing something different. So. Uh, I'm bummed, but the good thing is I'll be able to hang out on the message board during the games. I'll take my laptop with me, and uh, there you, go. you know I'll find a way to watch it and somehow to hook up. So let's dive into some questions. I wanted to leave enough time to make sure we got to them. Uh, if you're watching, feel free to start dropping them now. For some reason, with Facebook, it's a it's a weird feature with Facebook Live. You cannot see the comments from the very top when you're live. You can only see like the last 15. So right. if you're watching, go ahead and drop Pile them now. Uh, we do have a couple. And I, I'm going to start with a great friend of the show. Clark Ruland has oh. a question. Um, he's actually got a really good question. Wonderful design. The, the, the designer of Stick It In. Oh, he does, I didn't he even does, know that. Oh, you didn't know that yeah. Clark, Clark came up with the name, came up with the tagline, designed the label. It's all Clark. Well, Clark has a great question for you. So he goes, question time, uh, exclamation point. It was on this day, 20 years ago, October 16th, 1999, that College Game Day came to Blacksburg for the first time. That night, number four, Virginia Tech, destroyed number 16, Syracuse, 62 yeah. nothing. So where does that game rank in the echelon of Virginia Tech football? I don't know. I was in high school, so I wasn't there. So, uh, but, so I couldn't really get a uh, – since for the atmosphere and compare it to the other games I've been to. But as far as uh, bringing Virginia Tech football to the forefront of the nation, I mean, Virginia Tech set the game day attendance record that, that day. That was game day's first appearance in Blacksburg. All right, and, and they set it again later that year in, in Miami. Yeah, um, against Miami, yeah. So now, now, Chris Fowler has, has credited the attendance yeah. at the Virginia Tech games that year with really elevating – college game day which which had started i believe in it was about five or six years old when yeah. it finally came to blacksburg and and it suddenly became a thing how many fans are are there for for game day because virginia tech put it in the football stadium i don't know where other schools were putting it at that point in time yeah i think they were mostly putting it in football stadiums yeah probably but, but i don't really remember i don't and, think and I, I think that's because they liked to have the set yeah. there in the end zone and then they would go to it during halftime right right i think that's right and it was only later they started doing it at different spots around campus but yeah i think that having that game the fact that game day was there, and then it was a six or six thirty game. That that was a weird start. It was a night game, yeah. Uh, it was weird, like six o'clock start time. Um, but that 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 game brought the program to the forefront of, of the country. Uh, you know, I think to your average college football fan, Virginia Tech was no different than NC State or Mississippi State or some other big state school before that day. And the perception of Virginia Tech as a program, as a fan base, changed that day. Man, they they hit Syracuse with all three barrels. Yeah, I didn't realize oh. Syracuse was ranked sixteenth. Well, I think they were overrated. They, they um, were. They only finished six, six and five that year. Right. Think, yeah. um, but, but you know, Tech, Tech 
got him with all three barrels with uh, Michael oh. Vick and the defense and the special teams. Yeah. It was like Vick didn't even play that well. No, from he a did statistical not. standpoint, I mean he was still limping around a little bit from his ankle injury, but they didn't need him. They, they, the tech, that's the thing about that Tech team. That team was loaded. But but to answer the question, uh, where does it rank? Um, if, if you ask 50 Tech fans, you know, what's your favorite Virginia Tech football game of all time, almost none of them will mention that game. It was important in its day, but, you know, the, the, the biggest wins in the history of Virginia Tech football, the games people talk about, are the 95 Sugar Bowl, the, the – Probably 99 West Virginia. 99 West Virginia uh, at Ohio State in 2014. Um, the 2003 Miami game. They talk about games like that. Everybody really enjoyed that Syracuse game, but it's a second level. It's game. it's it's the game I regret most that I that I wasn't at. Didn't go to my yeah, yeah. My, yeah. Um, Whew, I didn't man. I didn't start coming to every game until I was a senior in high school, and even then I think I could just came to the four or the six. But it's the game I regret. Now I will t- share this. Uh, do you, rem- you you don't remember this because you were at the game, but it was forty eight to nothing, and it was such a butt whooping that ESPN cut away. Yeah, how about that? To like a Mississippi State game or something like that, some SEC game, and so I went and turned the radio on to listen to the rest of the game. And Tech scored two touchdowns, like two defensive touchdowns in the last like, five like, minutes. Yeah. It was forty eight nothing, and then ended up being sixty two. Tech to was trying to throttle back, and Syracuse would have none of it. They were fumbling yeah, kickoffs. They were like, "Please beat us by more touchdowns." <laughs> and that, was, that wasn't Donovan McNabb, correct? <laughs> no, that was no. He that was, was gone. Ninety eight was his last yeah. year. Um, that that was probably the magician Troy Noons. Yeah, I don't probably. know. That. Noons might have been a little later. Uh, one of our top fans on Facebook, by the way, you could be like a top fan. So we appreciate our top fans that interact with us the most. Uh, Joshua o- uh, Odie. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know Josh. He wanted uh, to chime in well that he got married on the day of the JMU game because, you know, who thought we would lose that game with the <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So um, uh, let's no, see. A uh, couple uh, – John Harmon has a question. He goes, everyone always talks about Fuente's hate for UNC. Where does that come from? I uh, It's hard to tell whether it's UNC or whether it was Fedora. Um, he shows a ton of emotion during UNC games, and I've heard behind the scenes that – that that's who he really wants to beat. But again, I don't know if that was book if it was a Fedora right. thing or a UNC thing. The rumor, and this is strictly message board rumor, is that UNC used April sixteenth to negatively recruit against Virginia Tech. But I think that was before Fuente got here. I mean, I've been hearing that. We've heard that for like ten years. Yeah, that that that's true. The timing doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, you would have to be really stretching at this point in time, ten plus years later, yeah, to, yeah. to use that to recruit against Virginia yeah, Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't do that these days. Um, but yeah, I think that was a uh, that was a pre Fuente anyway. Now, if it happened, then you know Foster and Wiles would remember it and maybe told him about it. But uh, I don't know. I just think maybe it was a Fedora thing. Uh, maybe it's the fact that UNC is such big recruiting rivals. Uh, I don't know, but. Uh, he certainly gets up for UNC every year. He does. You want to see that guy show some emotion? Watch, watch we him We have photo- lots of photographic evidence. Well, I have two uh, things that stick in the back of my well, head. Well, he tackled One, Bud last year. He tackled, tackled Bud, Bud last year. And then when Greg Stroman returned Huge a punch, hug. I mean, for the, the punt for the touchdown, I mean, he was going nuts. And, and, Wasn't and, he running down the sideline? He was sideline? running down the sideline with Stroman. 
Trying Justin to, couldn't Fuente. quite keep up with him. Justin but, Fuente running down the sideline. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. And uh, and the and the year before that was the, the hurricane game and the big hug he and Foster had yeah. that they showed on television. I got a screen cap of that. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's very happy every time Virginia Tech beats. So him to answer the question, we don't know exactly what we don't but, know, but exactly it's clearly what. there. It's the, yes, <laughs> that's all that matters. By, by the way, uh, do. Um, uh, definitely just forgot the, the thought I was about to make. Uh, I'm going to go to another Bummer. question. Um, here's one. Uh, you know, again, we, we've talked a little bit about the defensive coordinator uh, position. You guys have talked about uh, uh, the Old Dominion defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's my favorite. Uh, uh, but they're, 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 their numbers are going to decline. As uh, I'll warn you, their numbers will decline as the season goes on. As their you know their offense is so bad, and they're one and five, and they know that their quarterback or their, excuse me their uh, coach is probably going to get fired. So their defense will check out as the season goes on. Right. But when they were mentally in tune this year, what they did was was very impressive early in the season, and his his resume speaks for itself. So some people were talking about that, but a lot of uh, comments here and then on the message boards are, are Torian Gray, Torian Gray, Torian Gray. What do you I, guys? I, I don't get that. I, Has he ever been a defensive coordinator? He's never been a defensive coordinator. Uh, and if uh, you're Justin Fuente and half the fan base wants you fired, and maybe maybe you feel like you're on the hot seat, maybe you don't. Are you going to hang your your future on the on somebody who's never been a defensive coordinator could work out might not it could work out it might not um, you'd prefer someone with a little more experience there and Torian if he feels like there's any chance that it would just be a one-year trip to Blacksburg like let's say Fuente was on the hot seat and and there was a chance he did get fired after 2020 and things went south right Torian Gray since 2016 has lived in Blacksburg Gainesville, Washington, D.C., back to Gainesville. So now you're asking him to move to Blacksburg for maybe one year and then have no idea where he's going to coach the next year. Uh, he's probably tired of moving at this point every year. So Ultimately. I, I think it's possible, but I, I, don't think, I don't think it's likely. I think what people are not giving credit to, and this is normal, I understand this, they're not giving credit to what might get said during the interviews. Correct. You can pick three, four, or five guys you want to talk to. Right. And and I think that, uh, you know, let, let's talk about uh, uh, Whit Babcock hiring Mike Young yeah, as a basketball I was coach. Bring that up. Mike Young probably really impressed Whit in the interview. You know, so don't don't forget that. And 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 the guy who's going to win the job is preferably it's a guy with Power Five experience, especially recruiting experience. That's your ideal candidate, but it's also a guy who might walk in and show some familiarity with Tech's personnel and say, listen, I've been watching you guys, and I see this guy, this guy, this guy. I do this and that with him. I understand what you're – you know, it's what gets said during the interview. Yeah. It's not whether or not you're a hokey or whether or not we have to pay you $2 million a year to get you to come here. It's going to come down to what's said during the interview. There we go. I think there's some great questions on the boards. want to thank everybody for chiming in. Uh, always a great way to kind of close the podcast when we get to check in with uh, the TSLers uh, on the Facebook comments. So, um, listen, yeah, busy week ahead on, uh, on TextTideline.com. I know I sound like a broken record asking each and every week, and it's about the same stuff, but great content is the point. It's literally going to be content. the same stuff the rest there of the week, as it always is. <laughs> Again, the stu- that what's really excelling is uh, the inside-the-numbers stuff that we do. Uh, Chris actually did a couple of them this week, and uh, – he studied uh, the second one. He studied offensive lines around the ACC, and and he so he and I have had these conversations about uh, about offensive line play, and uh, if you drilled into the into the PFF stats, 
almost no offensive linemen grade out well. It's just not a position that we, we, we've we come to the conclusion it's one of the hardest positions to play in football. Relative to the other positions, the right. grades are always lower. Like, Wisconsin had a really high grading offensive line last year, but this year I think only two of their guys that have played 200 more snaps have graded out above a 70. Yeah. But the hard thing, you know, it's just you're going head-to-head – you, your job is to drive a large, strong, fast human being in a direction he doesn't want to be driven. That's hard to do. Like, even let's say you're arm wrestling with somebody, even if you're stronger than that person, they can still lock that wrist right there, and it's really hard to move them, right? Uh, and it's the same thing playing offensive line. It's definitely, and that, that's why it's so important to have running backs with good vision, good patience, can break tackles. Uh, it's it's all generally the I I think the running back makes the offensive line more so than the other than the other way around is my general view. And it. it's it's kind of looking that way and and you know but anyway he he went into detail on some of that and um, you know back in the day you, you lined up on the offensive line and you blocked the guy in front of you right you know and one of the ways Virginia Tech made hay in the nineties with their attacking defense was. You go back and watch the film of that era, and everybody would line up and get down in their stance, and then the entire Virginia Tech defensive line would shift. And and that was back in the old drive-blocking, man-to-man blocking days, and, it, and it, you had to make the right choice. Oh, they just moved. Who do I who do I Which block? Which one do I block? And then the boom, the ball snapped, and you haven't right. made your choice yet. And you know, and, and then I, I don't remember, maybe you know enough about uh, football history, I've always thought it was the Denver Broncos that introduced zone blocking, but I may be wrong. I, I, on they that. probably didn't introduce it, but I think it was the the they're the ones that brought it to the forefront. They won a when Super they, when Bowl, they, two back to back Super Bowls. With Ter- I think, Terrell Davis, Terrell was he Davis, running? yeah, yeah. Uh, with their zone schemes and generally a smaller offensive line than people were used to. I think uh, so. I don't. Th- I seriously doubt they. I know they didn't invent zone blocking because I learned zone blocking in high school at the exact same time they were doing it in, okay. in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but they were the ones that brought it to the forefront, to your average fan, I think. So so to bring the discussion back around, you're an offensive lineman these days, and 25 years ago you were blocking the guy in front of you. And if you were a big, strong guy with quick feet who could get leverage, then you were a good offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Well, now you got to pull a bunch of plays. You have to figure out what the guy next to you Am I going to block this guy? And, and you're kind of touching and handing guys off. It's a it's teamwork just, thing. It's, you, it's, you, when do I get off this? De- I mean, you're helping the guy next to you with the defensive tackle, but then you got to get off that guy and get up and block the linebacker. It's yeah, just because, so much because more the mental. tackle's struggling with yeah. the end or the tight end's struggling with the end. It's just much more – there's way more that goes into it other than just being the biggest, strongest guy and get the best leverage. Interesting stuff. And, of course, Regine Tech has some – Younger offensive lineman playing this year. Always curious to see the inside the numbers article, which will is, is that already out right now, or is I that think coming that's out? Already one one came out on Monday, and one came out yesterday. Yeah, so they're both published. Looking yeah. forward to it, and as I personally always do, looking forward to the Friday Q and I. Always enjoy reading that on uh, on my Friday afternoon. That'll do it for this uh, this week's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. As always, thanks so much to everybody for chiming in. Will safe travels down to South Carolina. Enjoy the, the wedding. Uh, yeah, enjoy the wedding. <laughs> I know the TSLers they're going to be excited. You're going to be on the board and uh, yeah. during the game. And Chris. Enjoy uh, sticking in ale, tailgating, and uh, enjoy your weekend. I will. Thank you. All right. For our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. We'll talk to you Monday morning right here on the TSL Podcast, presented by the Fisher Law Firm, breaking down Virginia Tech in North Carolina. Enjoy the weekend, Hokies. Hokies.